All right, everybody, it is Thursday. That means this week in streaming with Lon. Yes, and that is not all. We also have a great interview with Ben Huh of Orange Dow, which we talked about on our crypto roundtable. And we had more questions, and Ben was happy to oblige. Yeah, this is really interesting. You know, I have told everybody multiple times that DAOs are the most fascinating of Web3 uh, concepts, ideas mm -hmm. uh, that uh, I like. NFTs comes after that. And, uh, you know, I think Ben is trying to, uh, he, he emailed me right after this interview with his people, they're trying to get JPL to do a DAO. So I think there's a lot of interesting things he unpacks here. He's very honest about their mm -hmm. advantage and why they're doing this. It's a really, really interesting interview. If you're in startups or capital allocation, this could be the future of yeah. startup funding on a global basis. And we must in the United States get ahead of this. So this is an area where I am demanding the SEC and everybody get their act together to make DAOs legal and regulated in the United States before we lose this to Switzerland or Singapore. Very important. Yeah, it's a really good conversation. And hopefully you will come up because you have to understand it. Even if you are skeptical right now, mm -hmm. even if it's early, you need to understand this because the people who understand it make all the money in the early days. So pay attention. And then, yes, we're going to have a blast with Lon Harris to talk mm. about Thursday Night Football, House of the Dragons, insane numbers. We got a whole plan for Disney in there. And which city should Disney and uh, the challenge Chapik, he's challenged right now, mm -hmm. challenge Chapik, which city should he put a third Disney in? And let's get those Disney prices under $100. BS that families have to pay three grand to go to disney this is absurd it's gonna Great. be a great show stick with us this week in startups is brought to you by open phone as a startup founder a lot of mistakes are easy to roll back but using your personal cell phone number as your company number isn't one of them open phone makes it easy to get business phone numbers for you and your team right on top of your existing devices visit openphone.com twist to get 20 percent off your first six months Odoo is a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that lets you build and scale your stack as you build and scale your business. Your first app is free forever, and right now Odoo is offering $1,000 off your first implementation pack at odoo.com slash twist. That's O-D-O-O dot -O com slash twist. And Lemon.io. Need to speed up your product development without draining your budget? Hire vetted engineers from Europe at Lemon.io. Go to Lemon.io slash twist to get 15% off the first four weeks. Okay, Thursday. We almost made it to the end of the week. We're getting so our close. Molly. Last week on the Crypto Roundtable, uh, we've been talking about DAOs. These are decentralized, autonomous, autonomous. organizations. Mm -hmm. It's like a crypto thing. Nobody really can define what these are outside of saying it's a discord there's some voting mechanism a bunch of people give their crypto they they then share in some prizes i guess or <laughs> some equity but i've been fascinated by DAOs. i think you have too yeah absolutely sure i like i just like the way you said that you get prizes it made me think of chuck e cheese <laughs> sort of i mean depending well, on your voting stake you could either get some smarties or a yes. giant pokemon stuffy it's kind of like sometimes it's sort of how it that ski ball when you throw the balls up and try to get in. I love ski ball. Uh, so it's kind of like getting the tickets uh, there. You know, it's, it's kind of like a reward. So sometimes like seems like there's NFT communities for this, etc. It's a way for crypto people to geek out. Um, and then there's venture funds. 
right? Which which we do. We're in the process of raising Launch Fund Four. I did our mm-hmm. first uh, pitch last week for Launch Fund Four. Man, did that go well? Yeah, hundreds of people showed up, and uh, yeah, a lot of people made requests. That's awesome. So. And we're doing a version of decentralized both fundraising and investing because of the raising in public and the syndicate model. Sure. So maybe and a short leap to a DAO. I think a DAO takes a lot of um, inspiration from the concept of a syndicate an SPV. People have to organize together as a group to invest in, in the company. So we saw this orange DAO come up. We've been talking, we talked about it twice on the program so far, mm-hmm. had a lot of questions. So we were like, well, let, we know the guy who's starting this. We want to get him on the program and have him explain it himself. And he said yes. So we're very excited, actually. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Uh, We got Ben Ha, who I believe is currently the, there he is, CEO and founder of Origami, uh, the creator of I Can Has Cheeseburger. I wonder Mm -hmm. at at which point you want to just like live that down and not have us bring it up all the time. I mean, it's awesome. The godfather of memes. Well, yeah. Well, that's that's actually I like that. So I'm technically the godfather of of the company behind I Can Has Cheeseburger. Eric Nakagawa was one of the co-founders. Um, who's also in crypto, by the way. So there's a theme here. Um, a bunch of uh, Web2 yeah. media guys uh, transitioning over to crypto, reliving our youth. So in, you, you joined Y Combinator in 2016, yeah. came uh-huh. out of Y Combinator and founded Social Construct to invent yep. new processes and technologies to assemble high-quality apartment buildings faster yep. and cheaper. Uh, and then in 2021 help start and raise this orange fund, which is the venture investing partner of Orange Dow. So yeah, we talked about Orange Dow. You were you got on the tweeters and were like, I think I can do a better job explaining this. <laughs> and we All said, right. yes, please. <laughs> All right. So fun looking from the outside. What in. did we get wrong? <laughs> what did we get wrong? Well, yeah, I mean, let's just start with, let's just start there. Like, so we understand raising a fund yep. to specifically target Y Combinator companies. It's a great pool of companies. You're an alumni. And let's face it, many people have done this. There was a, a funders club or something that uh-huh. was a bunch of YC grads. A, a bunch of people have had this concept of doing funds, syndicates to go out, you know, uh, whether they were Uber alumni, YC alumni, Techstars alumni, et cetera, you get some advantage, you understand the programs, you know, maybe you can uh, front run the market or just in some way leverage your knowledge of it. Great. Explain what you're doing here. Like why yeah. add a DAO to this tried and true Fund yeah. strategy. So um, the the origin of Orange Fund came from a crypto WhatsApp group um, that a group of us were running. So it's NFTs and regular crypto and things like that. And in order to create an organization where we can all have some say and control over its outcome, we said, hey, let's create a DAO. Let's create a more democratic institution. It's not purely democratic. It, it is token tokenized voting and things like that. Um, that organization will help a venture fund generate better returns. And then we'll have a venture fund that gives all of its carry to the DAO, right? And so the GPs, there's a management fee. We take the management fee to run the, uh, the, the fund and the organization. But all of the upside gets basically tokenized in the form of a DAO. And now we can tell the DAO, hey, if you want to participate, here are the different teams and different activities you can do. You can earn tokens by doing it. And so please help us with two things. One, well, I guess three. One, deal flow. Help us generate deals. Two, provide some expertise, screening these uh, companies and giving us some, some notes. And then three, support our companies as a network um, when they need help. And so that was really the fundamental genesis of all of this. There's nothing really um, deeply strategic about it. It was, we have a community already. Web3 is different. We have to think differently. 
YC is not doing it. So why don't we create a community that can do that? And this often happens at YC where they're a little bit later to the game because they're a much bigger organization now. Well, and they also have a lot of work to do just running the program, which is a ton of work. It's incredibly a lot of work. Yeah. And they also need to maintain, and people can debate this, uh, obviously, it's a, it's a hot button issue, but they need to maintain at least some appearance that they're not front running the market and that when you come to demo day, you have an equal shot at the companies as everybody else. We all know that's not exactly true. <laughs> yeah. But they, they do need to have people come to demo day and invest in the companies, uh, even if the top 20, you know, get taken out before demo day. So and, and, and you were right in the, the last call, we do have an advantage in that we are alumni that we can actually attend alumni demo day, which occurs before the actual event does. Right, right. And so, so we do have a little bit of inside efficient. It's just it's not enough to make a deal in that time. But we do get a little bit more. Um, do, do the companies in the current YC class? Uh, are they put on book face immediately when they sign up in week one? Or do they no, get put not. on book face on day thir- you know, week 13 or whatever the end week is, the week after? They, they, get, they get a choice of launching. So during the batch, um, mm-hmm. there will be launch uh, book face, which is the company's launching on book face with the community announcing their company and their product. Got some it. wait till demo day, some just never do it at all. Ah, so you, you have access to that, all of your DAO members do, so you will get access to... That's right. These companies in week zero through, is it a 12 week program still? Uh, I see. 10 weeks. 10 weeks. So you mm-hmm. might get access to the company's weeks one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. That's a major advantage. Yeah, we certainly uh, keep our ears to the ground and make sure we understand who's doing what and why. Um, mm-hmm. Because we do often see uh, pivots along the way. And those are the ones that we're really interested in as well. So I have a question about the voting structure yeah. and why it's like, why is it? necessary to have <laughs> this democratic structure where everyone can vote <laughs> like i feel awkward asking that question but at the same time like democracy can bring some chaos which is why we've abstracted it with representative democracy and government and also in companies with like leadership um so well, i wonder yeah, like what is the benefit age, why we need democracy <laughs> I, wow. believe me the, the irony is not lost <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's never been a democratic process in venture investing at its best. It's always been not a democratic process at all. So okay. the way it's structured is that the fund is independent. There's this relationship between the carry and the additional work that that provides. But the final decision as to like who gets investments or not is left up to the three GPs, myself and two other uh, partners. And okay. so, you know, we do have our regular, you know, fisticuffs matches of like, are you sure you want to invest in this? Huh? Huh? You know, those moments uh, uh, yeah. at the debate. So we don't, we don't run by consensus. Okay, but they can go find companies and then That's present right. them to you. And then That's the right. three of you vote. And uh, I'm just curious in your venture fund, what's the structure? If somebody feels strongly about it and two people don't, go ahead and do it. Or two out of three, or you're figuring two out that out. It's oh, two okay. out of three. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, usually so we generally run making sure somebody is passionate about it. Somebody has to stand up and say, I really like this company. I want to support it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then, but going back to the the voting structure of the DAO, yeah, what is the how is it better? Like, how does it generate better deal flow and better outcomes than say a syndicate? The DAO governs its own treasury. The limited partners of the fund they they exist inside the fund. Those funds are completely segregated from the DAO. So the DAO cares about what's in our multi sig or our treasury and what can we do with it. And so what they're doing is that they're actually funding programs. So we. Uh, about a month and a half ago, the DAO, completely independently of the fund, launched a program called Orange Fellows. And it's designed to be 10 weeks, 
we give you $25,000, um, virtually no strings attached before you start a company. And we say, spend 10 weeks learning about Web3 in the DAO with us, like make a transition from your entrepreneurial self into the crypto world, um, because you need a little bit of time to do that. And we funded a class of uh, 10 people. And that came entirely from the DAO. Um, a program manager stepped up, who is a former YC founder uh, named James Sinka. And now that program's live. That was a completely bottoms up thing. Um, it is our way of recycling the, the, the money into the DAO so that we can continue to fund more entrepreneurs. And so how do you then distribute? Let's say you've got, I think you said you have a 1000 people or more in the in the DAO. Yeah, yeah, 1000 uh, people in there, let's say 900 of them never do anything, you know, or yeah. they're just kind of hanging and, and giving some comments from the rafters, but they're not actually doing noticeable work. But there's 100 who are doing a bunch of work. Okay, you hit your Airbnb, hit your Uber, whatever, you know, uh, you hit uh, Flexport, and it returns, let's just pick a number $100 million in carry, you got 100 people over there. Uh, you're the three GPs, how much of it do you the three GPs get? And then and let's just assume you have 20% carry. And that's why yeah. you got this, you know, and you own 10% okay. of the company, whatever. So we do the math 100 million comes in. How do you pick who gets what? Yeah, so it depends on the number of tokens you hold. Now, to be honest, at this point in the legal uh, evolution of DAOs, there is no way to get a distribution from those funds. So even if the treasury of the DAO received $100 million because we did blowout numbers on the, on the fund, that money cannot be directly given to members like a dividend, right? So that mechanism doesn't exist. But what it does do is your tokens govern how we spend that money for the next cycle or for the next round of companies and things like that. And so the way Orange DAO was developed was that it was designed as an endowment for entrepreneurship. So mm -hmm. when you look at venture capital today and see 80% of the capital going back to the LPs, that money is not staying in the entrepreneurial ecosystem. That's going back to the financial ecosystem. Right. We said, if we can actually take the carry and start creating a fund for entrepreneurs that fund entrepreneurship and the transition to it, we think that we can have a much better impact because we're cycling 100% of the money, not just carry. Oh, wow. So you're going to recycle everything. So then when is there ever going to be a payout for the people who have the tokens or the tokens will just go up in value value as a proxy to this money? Um, so right now, the assumption is the tokens will represent the control over the asset, not the distribution of the asset until the laws change and we can find a legal way to do it. That's the that's the um, mechanism that we're using. And so now that you can actually direct these funds, um, you know, you can either create a program for you to run, you can actually uh, have the DAO invent or invest in a public goods program, something like that. And so there's a lot of working capital that we want to uh, forward into this program, we don't necessarily want to take dividends out now. Besides, at any early stage you know, technology venture, why would you take out money anyway, you would also always want to recycle that into the growth part of the business. Interesting. So, it sounds yeah. like you're saying there, there may never be right is, is this ultimately not a profit making enterprise? It is a profit-making enterprise. It is a profit-making enterprise. It's uh, just not totally clear how you can get the profits? Not yet. There okay. are mechanisms. Um, there are legal structures in the United States that allow you to do that. We're kind of waiting for them to actually kind of shake out to make sure that we can actually use them uh, the right way. On the program today is Darina Kulia. She is the founder of OpenPhone. Welcome to the show, Darina. Thank you so much, Jason. Great to be here. You know, I've read the ads a couple of times here. 
it seems like you're charging too little for this product. It's 10 bucks a month per number. How are you able to do this so affordably? 120 bucks a year, 150 bucks a year per person is nothing. So we are a very self-serve product, which is why uh, many of our competitors offer much more expensive tiers is that they rely on like a customer success rep or someone help you out to Got set it. things up. Uh, we are very self-serve. Now we do have customer su uh, success managers who are amazing. And a lot of our customers are founders and startups. They like things to just work without instructions, without... Yeah, they'll read the manual. They'll watch the videos. They don't want to talk to a human. They just want to set it up and go. And you made the product so simple. Absolutely. That's where the cost savings comes in. You don't have to have a sales team going out there selling it. And you know, the other big thing is that the way we also grow, and I think, it, you know, the way we get a lot of customers is that uh, we have very strong word of mouth and people like tell others about us. And I mean, all of that contributes. Our business model kind of makes sense. It makes sense for us to be able to, to offer it at a very good price. All right, everybody, here's your CTA, the old call to action. Twist listeners, 20% off any plan for your first six months. Just sign up at openphone.com slash twist. And if you got an existing number, no problem. They'll put it right over. Openphone.com slash twist. O-P-E-N-P-H-O-N-E dot -E com slash twist today for 20% off. Yeah, this makes sense to me because uh, people right now can do it for the affiliation, the fun the joy of being part of the ecosystem. They're not putting in that much work. This is not a full time job. They're not getting a salary. Mm -hmm. But when the law becomes more clear, and if this security, if it winds up being a security right now, it's just tokens, but if they become worth something, then I guess the Dow could say, you know what, we're sitting on 250 million, we would like to yeah. distribute 10% a year, uh, and invest 20% right. a year. So 30% is going to go back into the ecosystem. And so every year, you know, whatever it is, $50 million is going to go to our uh, top participants in the DAO, and another 50 million is going to go to companies. And we think that becomes an evergreen fund, we never have to have LPs exactly. again. Exactly. I kind of get it. So this first turn of the yeah. wheel is to fund it, in fact, yeah, this first crank will be to, to create a nest egg. And that's actually kind of brilliant, Ben, because it will become clear, uh, clearer how to distribute these shares. Exactly. I have another super basic question. Like you mentioned that the Dow decided to create a program and, you know, give $25,000 to these Web3 entrepreneurs. Where this is, again, I'm just going to make myself sound stupid on behalf of the audience and myself. <laughs> where does that 25000 come from? Like, does the Dow have its own, you said they have a treasury. How does the Dow get money compared to how the fund gets money? And is it the same money? Yeah, so there's actually two pools of capital here. Um, yeah. One is a $50 million uh, series seed and a um, venture fund. That's the orange fund itself. There's an additional $30 million committed over four to five years of the Dow from both Algorand and Nier. And they're actually financing uh, the Dow's operations until the carry from the fund materializes to actually cover some of the expenses. Okay. So in total, that's $80 million that we have um, control over. And but then it is separate in those two pots. Like if you, as the as yeah, orange funds, no crossing yeah. the streams. So, yeah, that's right. So the fellows come out of the uh, near and Algorand fund, yeah. right? Because again, we're like pumping, you know, uh, entrepreneurs into their ecosystem, and that's what they love, right? They want us to build on top of their blockchain because one outside return pays for all of this. Hmm. So explain who those people are, because I have heard about this before. A lot of people in crypto had huge raises. Yeah, they did offerings and all of a sudden they were sitting on a hundred million or a billion dollars in some foundation in panama or on a you know a bvi wherever yeah and they need to use that money 
to jumpstart their ecosystem. In other words, to get their platforms working. And so they love the idea of getting entrepreneurs to build on their platform. So like Intel or, you know, remember Google did Google Glass fund with Andreessen yeah. and a bunch of other people. They put 100 million. They made that famous photo of the three of them were going Google Glass looking ridiculous. <laughs> Cut that in and post if you, if you will. It's a great <laughs> photo. But sometimes platforms will old. create a venture fund in order yeah. to so this algorand am i algorand, algorand. Mm -hmm. so yeah. that's a blockchain for that's a layer one that's right uh, yeah so they have money sitting there they gave it to you so you uh -huh. can jumpstart the ecosystem that's right well we're one of the many partners that they're working with to jumpstart sure. that ecosystem so a lot of them have like grant programs so like if you use the technology and if you want to apply for like a 10k grant you can totally do that um directly but obviously that has overhead. And also there's a selection problem here, which is you want to fund entrepreneurs who are likely to build something. And mm. so a alumni group uh, of YC like us makes a lot of sense there, right? Because proven history of actually building something and, uh, you know, uh, likelihood of actually raising capital, uh, good support structure, all of the above. If you could wave a magic wand and make the legal system and the DAO system crystal clear how it works. And I guess there are some countries outside the United States that do have basically, I, I want to say a free for all, but incredibly permissive or anything goes like experiment as you will. What country has that like most experimental? And did you consider just saying, hey, screw it, we're going to be in Singapore or the Zer? was it the Zerg or something? Did you consider those? Uh, yeah, so there are many so major jurisdictions right now. There is there is a bit of a competition out there for like the jurisdictions um, that will be more doubt friendly. But a lot of them actually are doing this so that they can attract businesses like like a registration business like Delaware LLCs of the world, right? So like, um, we're actually talking to Colorado, the state of Colorado to actually use a co-op um, um, mechanism uh, that is actually exempt from some of the security legislation. So this is happening domestically. Uh, we're also talking to the Marshall Islands where a lot of the Fortune 500 shipping companies are uh, registered. And so there's a nonprofit way of actually building a DAO. Um, and everybody's trying to figure out like what is the right way and the financially appropriate way for these DAOs to exist. Um, the US is just really slow. Right? It's it, just by the way in Switzerland. <laughs> Zug, <laughs> no, I okay. Said, I said I'm like Zorg. What's Zerg? a Zerg? Zerg or like Zerg with Proton it was like a uh, what Starcraft. are the Starcraft families oh, and look then at Zorg you was too. like another alien race in a sci-fi movie but I literally was like, is he talking about one of those like floating sovereign island things? What's a Zerg? Um, kind of what Zug is actually, Molly, is like uh, an area in Switzerland where they said cryptos can do whatever. But which do you said which jurisdiction in the United States is the most permissive? Colorado is actually well, so it's it's not permissive, but it's interesting, right? Because they can actually solve okay. the entire security stack. Colorado co-ops and Marshall Islands based on in the Pacific. Yeah, those two are interesting to us. So Obviously, there's your Delaware LLCs, and those are fine as well. In most cases, the, the nodies are stuck on this question. And I think it's somewhat reasonable to ask what happens if there is no legal way to distribute funds. I mean, I think it seems like I will stipulate it seems like a very safe assumption. Someone's going to figure out how you can distribute funds like they exist. There's yeah. like, you know, they're tied I'm to sure something. You have to pay taxes somewhere. Things you like have to that. pay taxes yeah. somewhere. If, yeah. if for no other reason than taxes, I would assume there will be a reason to distribute funds, right? Like, is there yeah. any conceivable barrier or situation in the future where you'll be like, uh oh, can't get the money out? Yeah, so there may be cases where you put money to a foundation and the foundation says, hey, we really, there's no way for us to actually distribute this capital because this is really more like nonprofits. Now, these foundations are not designed to skip on taxes. They're literally just foundations for the holding like a trust of money. Yeah. Um, the Dow can actually create a new company that is for profit outside of that with a new revenue, revenue line. So you have to think about the Dow as like this umbrella organization above these entities. Mm -hmm. So you can direct its work and say, we're going to put this money into a foundation. 
we're going to put this money into a different organization. Right? So you have flexibility yep. at the voter and the DAO member level to actually design the future a little bit differently. You're not like a company that's stuck in one model. Yeah. That's fascinating. And it really is interesting. This is sort of like the LLC formation, which I believe started in the UK with the, you know, the shipping companies, the famous, yeah. you know, first organizations in uh, the Nordics and in the UK created this great LLC structure. We all use Delaware LLC, but that is limited. We have a lot of limitations on that in terms of the number of participants, voting, etc. And we kind of need more of like an operating system platform yes. version of this. So maybe yes. you could unpack if this was yeah. like an operating system, what would the key variables traits of a DAO operating system if you know, somebody from Marshall Islands or Zug or anywhere else were to watch this Montana, Wisconsin, whoever a lot of people are trying to get in on Delaware's business, because this would be a money printing mm -hmm. machine for Marshall mm -hmm. Islands, or whoever figures it out, what would the operating system look like? What would you need from it in terms yeah. of legality, transactions, finance, etc? And is that so, what origami okay. does? Yes. Uh, thank you so much for the segue. Both of you. <laughs> uh, that's exactly what origami is for. So Morrison got built. Uh, it was successful. People loved it. People came to us and said, hey, we would like to do more of this. Can, can we do the same thing? And we're like, hey, we should probably build a company and build some software around it. And the first thing we do is we talk about what we call the charter. And the charter is a piece of document that says, hey, this is why we exist. These are the rules of the game. Here's how tokens will be initially distributed. And here are the the ways of running and managing this organization. So like, here are the different roles in the organization and how do we actually elect people to those roles, right? And so you set up the starting conditions in plain English, and then you talk about the mission that you're trying to accomplish, just like any other company. And then it's actually backed up by a process of um, creating those uh, groups, then electing people to it, figuring out what your business is and how the revenue first comes in. Like that's one of the most important things that happens at that stage, mm -hmm. right? And imagine this is all being done in software. And so you can say, hey, um, Jason just got elected to um, Treasury Committee. We're going to now change this role to Treasury. Now you have access to a different set of information. Imagine building a company that is natively software first. Not like I have a business and I have to get software to actually make the business run. It's like the software exists entirely in software first so that we can actually think about it the way we normally would. Like technology people would think of a business as remote, a bunch of data you can move around. That's how DAOs are being built today. It is amazing how much offline stuff happens right now in businesses. Listen, if you're a founder or an employee at a startup, it's critical that you become capital efficient at this time. Fundraising is tough right now and cutting your burn is really important. And one great way to cut costs is to run all of your SaaS apps on one platform. And that one platform, Odoo. Odoo is the only software your company will ever need. Using Odoo's suite of business apps means you don't have a bunch of messy SaaS subscriptions. No, everything you need is already on Odoo. All you have to do is turn it on when you're ready, and they'll only charge you for the apps that you use. Odoo has over 40 main apps and 16,000 from their open source community. Sales, accounting, marketing automation, HR, website builders, and so, so much more. And this will streamline your business. No more issues with transferring data back and forth. Nope. And you'll have one customer support contact across all your apps, not 20. And you're going to get more done in less time while saving a ton of money. And here's the best part. The first app is always free. And Odoo is offering $1,000 in credit on your first implementation pack. So go to odoo.com slash twist for $1,000 off. That's odoo.com slash twist. Well, I mean, we have a board structure, we have board meetings, we have board minutes, 
you know, we have financial reporting, all of these things are in some cases, uh, based on tradition, and best practices, in some cases, they're strictly legal. And in most cases, they kind of overlap legal concepts, you know, and agreements between individuals that are papered by attorneys, or are based on standards. And I think when we look at when things have gone off the rails, Molly, in, uh, and we can cover this on this week and service all the time, mm-hmm. you will have some individual who says, yeah, I think I'm going to just try to not do what the tradition, traditional thing is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we did have this with the company TopTal where they just were like, yeah, we're just never going to convert these notes. We're never going to convert our safe, right? And that was just a perfect example of like, well, that's not how safes work. And he's like, is it? <laughs> Because the way I interpret it is, this thing doesn't have a conversion date. And here's the video of the, you know, it's actually safes happen to be created by Y Combinator. And here's the video of somebody saying, yeah, um, the general counsel, I think, of, of YC saying, yeah, that's an edge case that'll never happen. And I was like, okay, but it happened here and I'm never going to convert. Therefore, I never have to give equity. Therefore, I can sweep all the cash off. So I guess that's the hard work you're going to do with uh, Oregon. Yeah, I mean... I'm going to I'm going to sound like a broken record uh, yeah. but crypto does make that a, le- a lot easier especially ethereum because you can actually see the transactions on chain. And so yes. things like how much money do we have, right? It's a very simple question when you actually put all of your assets on chain. Yes. Right? The the thing of like, hey Jason, how do you actually elect your board members? Like what's the process, right? You have to like look up the legal documents like how do we actually how do I fire this board member? Yeah. Like, that stuff is now in software. Like you have an, you have a proposal that says, "Hey, we want a change of members or at the end of the season, we're going to run new elections and the votes get tallied and people are now elected into board roles." Mm. Like it should happen more like that. Less, oh my gosh, what page do I look up to figure out how to find well, this guy? I think, uh, I, you know, I've often said this as I, like you, I think we're, we're kind of of similar generations. When we came into this space, it was very opaque. And I think the opaqueness was designed to obscurify um, a lot of who had control. And so I think it was opaque by design by powerful people, whether that's attorneys or investors. And then we've had this 20 years of founders saying, well, what's actually in these documents? And what is a liquidation preference? And how do we actually vote for members? And it's becoming more and more standardized. And then software is the ultimate standardization. Yeah, because it's code. And you can just look at the code and say, well, when you execute this code, what happens? Mm -hmm. That's right. As opposed to, okay, let's get into and every time you talk to your attorney, Molly, they're just like, yeah, so the case law says this but nobody's ever actually tested the case law the last time was 1827 you know you're like 1827 (laughs) to be fair that'll still be the case when you have digitized that though right like well i mean Mm -hmm. it's not like you i mean it sounds like on some level what you're creating is a totally new database of corporate structure information and the corporate structure itself is different in the sense that it's a dao Mm-hmm. But you still have a hierarchy, you still have funding mechanisms, like, will there be a board? Like, are, are you, to what extent are you creating something entirely new that's never existed before versus digitizing a lot of the crappy stuff that we have to do now? So I'm going I'm to merge what you, you and Jason said together. So yeah. nothing we're doing here is new under the sun. Like shareholder equity exists, like governance in corporations exist, but they exist in a culture at a scale that is not reinforced by transparent information. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I go try to look up a K1, I really need to know how to read a K1 and be like, okay, I'm a shareholder. How do I participate? Whereas a DAO participation is natively baked in. Like you hold a token, you can access the DAO by authenticating your tokens. You can see all the information, see what's available to vote. Mm-hmm. And so, like Jason was saying, I actually had thought about this. 
We spent 20 years making startups much more normalized to make deals happen faster and to actually reduce the, uh, the need for trust, right? It's not that it, it, it is uh, absent of verification or trust, but the fact is like, we are okay taking these risks because they're pretty standardized risks at this point. Mm-hmm. The same needs to hold true for DAOs to become easier. If you join a DAO and you have no idea what's going on because everything's new, that's a detriment to our ability to actually grow this ecosystem. And so I need to make sure that things are standardized, that things are onboarded properly, that you understand these concepts. And that's a lot of the work of, I think, a first-generation piece of software like we are doing right now. Mm-hmm. And just to build on that, if you're successful and you can do this in a jurisdiction, you could make it, Molly, so a person could, a la carte, create their own sort of structure of what they think a company should be. So I could say, you know what? We're never going to have a board of directors. That's antiquated. We're just going to have voting. And the way we're going to have voting is the founders get, you know, this a third of the votes, and then the token holders get this many votes. And these are the things that can be voted on. These are the things that can't be voted on. And once that's codified, you're kind of like making your own version of the Delaware LLC. And you might say, Molly, well, no, no, we're going to have a board. It's going to be representative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's going to be based on, you know, the founders get two seats. There's going to be an independent that's voted and the two largest shareholders get a seat. So I'm going representative. And then somebody else will be like, you know what? We want to vote on every decision. So when mm-hmm. we hire a new CTO, we're literally going to have a million shareholders each get one vote. And this one person who has 250,000 of the shares and paid for them, they, they have a lot of influence, but we're just going straight voting. So th- that's the, the sort of really fascinating part about this is it could be a la carte. Yeah. And, and I wonder like, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, I, and if you do it in the right jurisdiction, Molly, then it doesn't apply to the U.S. jurisdiction. And then it would just be, well, can Amer- are Americans allowed to invest in this and through what vehicles or whatever? But you could see it's not it, Delaware's lock on corporate formation is not mm-hmm. locked. You no, could see young people right. just because people are also moving out of Silicon Valley in the United States. Although you have people who are moving I'm to other jurisdictions. back to you, though. Yeah. And say... How long is it going to be before mm-hmm. I bring a company like that to one of our investment meetings and you say we can invest in them? Because that question, yeah. are you incorporated in Delaware? Yeah. Is like, let, let me, let me it's tell like, you what crypto investors are doing. Yeah. <laughs> like Good crypto on. investors are, aren't asking what, uh, where your entity is based or if you're a C corp or not. They're asking about your token price. How much am I buying your tokens for? And what do those tokens actually do? Right. Mm-hmm. Those are the two paramount questions if you're a crypto and buying into tokens. That's a very small subset of the venture market today, right? Because you're investing on the alternative assets class. But that movement of making things easier and transparent, like it is going to happen. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, mean, that's what I'm saying is like, how, what do you think that starts to look? What, what, what is the tipping point? You know, is it like a giant exit? Is it like, at what point will well, the, it just become such FOMO that we'll be like, okay, fine. We, well, no, we, we already care. had that with tokens, I think. So then the question is, when would venture investors yeah. or other folks and LPs feel secure in this? Non-crypto venture investors, yes. Yeah, if, if you and some venture investors have turned into crypto investors. So I think when you feel that these systems are secure and you've seen enough of them uh, not have issues and have positive outcomes, so I, I, a long way of saying track record. So some people will do it. Some people will bet just on, hey, how many tokens are there? How many more can you release? You know, what's, how, what's the volume like? And they're just making this purely... You know, uh, market based decision, they're not looking at the legality of it at all. But Mm -hmm. I do think that these could be so tight, that these could be more trustworthy than Delaware, which would be really wild. I'll give you alternative path of getting there. I agree with you, because these are so much simpler in software, it's so much easier for us to understand. The way Orange Fund makes an investment is that we actually invest in the C Corp, 
equity, pure equity. We're, we're yeah. investing in a normal thing. And then we have a, actually a, an agreement of, of, across all the investors that says if and when this company issues tokens to its investors, we will be treated pro rata at that time. That's it. Got it. Super simple, right? Because if the company basically hollows itself out, turns it into a tokenized organization where all the values go into tokens and not the equity, the investors are entitled to that, mm. right? But that's an if. So you buy 10% of the company for a million dollars, $10 million valuation. If they do a token, you get 10%. Yep. Right now, a lot of founders just leave that up to, eh, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, but you put it in like a little side yeah, letter or something. Is, um, yeah, because tokens, there's actually really two types of tokens. Tokens get issued to insiders, like investors and, and uh, founders, mm -hmm. and then tokens that are actually distributed to the community or is used for like treasury reasons and things like that. And so we take the smaller of the two. We take the investor part and say, treat us the same. Right, uh, we're the same class of stock. We don't take make claims on the total network because that economically doesn't work perfect for most uh, tokenized startups. It's super fascinating. I, mm -hmm. I I think I would be willing if somebody built the software tightly, Molly. Um, I would be willing to personally make some angel investments in this space. You know, ten twenty five k investments just to learn. And I think that a lot of people who have participated in crypto have kind of taken that same approach is, hey, this is like learning money. But you, you did see, you know, people like uh, Andreessen Horowitz raise billions of dollars uh, to deploy mm -hmm. into these companies and take the risk. So take it from me, hiring developers is really hard. And so many startups struggle to hire fast enough to keep up with demand. So lemon.io is going to help you hire better developers, and they're going to help you do it faster. Okay, that's the key. They have a network of engineers from Europe and Latin America, and every candidate has been tested and interviewed by their team. Here's how Lemon.io will help you. No more wasting time with unqualified candidates. No, these are all vetted and tested, and you're going to have easy access to global talent. And they can get your developer up and running, you're not going to believe this, in under a week. And of course, it's more affordable. I can't tell you how many companies I know are burning money every month but their product's not improving. And if your product doesn't improve, well, then you can't make money. You can't hit your milestones. You need developers to hit your milestones. You don't hit your milestones. Investors will not put more money in and you won't get revenue coming in from your customers, okay? So if you wanna save time, you wanna get a great developer, you wanna save money, all you have to do is go to lemon.io slash twist and they'll give you 15% off your first four weeks. That's right, 15% off your first four weeks when you go to lemon, L-E-M-O-N dot I-O slash twist. It is so hard to find developers. They are so expensive. And that's why you need lemon.io. I'm not, yeah I, yeah, I hope that I'm not coming off as the skeptic. Like I'm sincerely trying no, to understand it yeah. and understand at what point it, you yeah. know, what does it, what are the metrics? What are the markers that say this is trustworthy and is security really it I, because nothing is a hundred percent secure and do you, I, when you say security jason do you mean like the thing where like some dow members just come and take over yeah people absconding you know? with money is the worst case scenario people screwing over the investors is the worst case scenario so right. what happened in venture over the history of it was the introduction of what we call downside protections so what are downside protections the concept of preferred shares obviously our shares are worth more than these other shares we get our money out first um, another one is control the board. Another one is major transactions we get to approve. So you want to raise more money, 
you want to change of control, or you want to sell more than x percent of the company, we have to approve that transaction. So change of control provisions were added to the legal documents. So the interesting thing about this and why I am actually of all the web three nonsense. Number one, I love DAOs. Number two, I'm really fascinated by NFTs when they're like membership and have smart contracts. And why? I, I think it's because I think they'll actually be better than what exists today. In both of those cases, I see those as products that improve upon the status quo. And the, all those uh, protect what they call the collection of protective provisions for investors. Those could be in software and be yes. even more protective. Yes. So the, the CEO cannot withdraw money from the bank account to spend it unless it's approved by whatever the governance is, a, mm -hmm. a vote or whatever, or they can spend up to 1% of what's in the treasury without a vote. If they get to 5%, they need this much voting. Salaries can't go above this oracle. So imagine this, Molly. If you said, we, we know that this company, Silicon Valley Banks, you know, or whoever's structure of uh, what each position pays, mm -hmm. we could say the founders can spend up to 75% of that number without any, um, any, they could do 75% of that a, number ben without any approval. <laughs> but if they go above 75% of that number, they need to get permission, right? So, so you could actually have an Oracle feeding that data in. Go ahead, Ben. Jason's perfectly right. We can go even further. Let's say you don't want some a single individual who has a vested interest in a company, let's say a founder, to mm -hmm. not have overly high control. Let's say you want to cap that person's uh, uh, um, voting power at like 25% of the, uh, of the DAO. Mm -hmm. You could have dynamic vesting. In other words, unless the DAO, unless the DAO has given away more tokens so that 75% of it's in circulation, we're not going to actually vest this person any more than this percentage. Like mm -hmm. You can do things in software they could never have imagined using a legal contract. Mm -hmm. Right. Wow. So you can say we are in a power sharing agreement, hands down. And this is always going to stay that way. It's, it's written into the contract. So Whereas, I will say as the voice of the nodies, this is working corporate oversight uh, via blockchain sounds like a legit use case to me, says Peter. I mean, I, I, and that's really the question, right? Is like, what are we trying to achieve that's better than transparency? What we have and transparency yeah. alone is uh, a great answer. Yeah. Transparency and accountability. Because you can do weird things on a board. I mean, I have been on boards. I told you these stories and I, I wrote in my book. I'll just give one example of, and I'm going to make this um, a collection of examples in one. So I'm, 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 this, is not, this is not one company. This is a composite of a couple of bad behavior. Imagine a founder shows up and says, you know what? I got three of the five board seats. I deserve more equity. I'm going to expand the pool. I'm going to give myself more equity. You know what? I feel like the 409A is too high. I'm gonna shop it to three different friends and I'm gonna find somebody friendly to, to run it down. I'll buy more uh, shares of the company in common at that low 409A and I'll just, you know, huh. not tell anybody. Or I'll take this, this venture fund is gonna give me 50% more ownership in the company if I accept their de deal terms, uh. therefore I'll just accept it. Like these things happen in venture. And then you're left as a VC, Molly and, and Ben, as you know, to sue a founder which has happened exactly like three times in the last 10 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a big action. Big yeah. action. Yeah. Um, also, I, I want to point out a third thing here, which is this is not just about corporate governance. There's an opportunity here for us to actually build an organization that is native to being a network. It is not about employees. It is not just about gig workers. It is about the fact that we all belong into a network and saying, hey, um, if, I have, uh, if I belong to an artist network, and I want to pass deals and uh, business to other fellow artists, how do I get credit for that? Right now, it's entirely social, and that's fine if you want to. 
but there could also be a monetary way where they earn tokens towards governing this organization more because they're contributing more. And so there's a fairness to the amount of like inputs and outputs that you can actually provide an organization that DAOs and tokenization enable. Hmm. It's fascinating. Yep. So you're actually building this software. That's what you'll see at joinorigami.com, correct? That's right. Yeah. So yeah. we're uh, launching other uh, large scale DAOs. So we specialize in DAOs with like more than 100 members. Flamingo is the other platform, right? That's who your like contemporary is, Flamingo DAO? What's that? The uh, Flamingo, uh, Flamingo DAO. Is, uh, they're they're a, an actual DAO. They do some development work, but they're not a DAO yeah. framework. And so um, there's a DAO framework called Moloch, which is everybody has to be an investor member. And that's capped at about 100 people. What is that and called? So Spell it. Mo Moloch. M-O-L-O-C-H. Moloch. Huh, yeah, never so it's, it's a type of a DAO framework. They're, they're different huh. DAO frameworks. That's the uh, different ways of setting up DAOs. And so Moloch is like everybody's equal, and it's huh. a, usually a direct democracy. And Moloch so we, is like we a are demon, <laughs> right? Am I like remember that correctly? Hold on, I'm gonna look it up. Off topic. It's off topic. Sorry. Yeah. I just am, I'm always like I just feel like the name sends a, sig a signal, and uh, I want to know what crypto. that is. Yeah, crypto has random names. It's Down actually kind of fun. It's very Moloch. artistic. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, good times. Good and times. origami is like an enterprise framework, right? That actually has like a legal structure. It's not representative democracy, whereas Moloch's direct. And so there's different ways of thinking about DAOs. What are the different philosophies yeah. at this point? And is one more most successful than the others? Yeah, Moloch's been around a lot longer. So they, they remember the DAO uh, in 2016, it was like hacked. And it was like a big deal. The Ethereum forked because of that. Mm. Um, that was a Moloch framework, essentially. And basically it says, if I don't like what the DAO is doing, what the investment is, I can actually take my money, uh, pull it out and go home. Oh, like right, the uninvested. <laughs> yeah, basically like the SPAC. Yeah, no, but before the SPAC despacks, you have the chance to redeem whatever you were going to invest in it. That makes sense. Oh, yeah. wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, here we go. Yeah. There you go. So it was like that. Um, wow. and, and again, the legal cap is 99 members because it's an investment club, right? So mm. it's just you and your friends coming together. So I've actually been part of one of these and it's, it's fun in a different way. Like you can buy <laughs> NFTs with it. You can do some investing with it, but you can't really scale the organization. Because uh, you're right. limited by the LLC of Delaware 99. Yeah, investment club model. Limit. Yeah, so it's an investment club. And it has to be accredited investors and all that kind of stuff. Basically, yeah. That's where this gets really interesting is if you could have non-accredited investors involved in this, but you can't do that in the United States. And this is where the United States, I fear, is going to fall massively behind another country. And we need to do some work here and have a discussion about do we want to give Switzerland or Singapore or whatever island chain that you know yeah, is aggressive enough, with this. Yeah. do we want them to run away with this like uh, this if this becomes the standard and then Americans don't get to participate in the formation of the next Airbnb or Uber yeah. and that's gonna suck we, we, we forget that we're, we're roughly economically speaking in crypto about half the globe so we're at a tipping point in which the other half the majority may be outside the United States and so we're just not gonna see those companies mm. We're not going to see those technologies like we have reached that point in which we are no longer the dominant force in the room. And so we, we need to behave like it. In crypto, you mean? In crypto. Yeah. In crypto. We need to start acting well, like we are not the dominant player anymore. This is, I mean, I will say that's part of why we need to be having these conversations and understand this because it's really new. And it look, it is still really complicated. Like that all might yes. be true. But the idea that we could just sort of march on into it when, when, pe when the vast majority of people still don't just fundamentally do not understand. And you're saying there's, you know, there's not a legal mechanism for distribution. Like it's early enough mm. that I would argue we could pull a little bit of an apple yes. here 
and like wait for Android to figure out all the kinks and then come in and do it perfectly. I'm just saying that's an option. I, I, that's not an option. option for me, right? I got to <laughs> keep charging ahead. It's I gotta not an option sure for you. Be Android. Thank be you. Be Android. And just a hibernate be for a like few years and then just pounce. Exactly. That's usually how startups work. Ben, thank you. This has gone <laughs> a long way awesome. uh, yeah. toward helping us understand, I hope. Um, Good to see you guys. And yeah, it's great to see, to see you. you as well. Good luck with it. And uh, we are really excited. I, I wish I could just be in the Discord. Are you using Discord for the community? Or uh, we Signal? Are, yeah, well, some used to, yeah, mostly. Oh, God, it would just be like so cool to be able to just hang out in there and watch it. Like to me, that the community aspect it's just the most fun part. So I'm, I'm sure, sure you could find a way. I'm sure you could find a way. I'm thinking about we'll, doing we'll a challenge. We'll jump on in. Yeah. Well, I, 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 there is, I'm thinking, you know, I'm raising our fourth fund publicly, which is like, a me, you know, doing this 506C, yeah. which I'm literally getting off of this. And in seven minutes, going to pitch hundreds I know, of people. I'm like, what you have to do right now? Don't worry about it. Anyway, I can do this. Uh, when you, that's, this is like a step in the direction of like, hey, letting more people see. Now it's only accredited in QP. So it's, it's still a narrow group. But I do think the next There's, step, but the would more be, they see it, the more pressure there will be, right? The like that's why the house members who are not investors, who are not uh, accredited on QPs. Yes, that's what the skill really comes part, in. Yeah. That's, so that's, that's yeah. more about that. All yeah. right, all right. Part we'll two. see you next time, everybody. Bye bye. Thanks, Ben. Okay, it's Thursday. Next up, Lon Harris is here. You can follow him on Twitter, twitter.com/lons. He got on early. Lon is a, a writer for Thanks Screen Junkies. Thanks to you. Yes, I told you to get on quickly. You and came retweet back me. from South by Southwest and you got in front of everybody at Mahalo.com. This is true. Yeah. And you were like, there's a new thing. You got everybody at South by Southwest is on it. Go there now and, and grab your name, even if you don't think you're going to use it. Mm. That, was your, that was your advice on the day. Oh. But what a, a very wise thing to say. Uh, so anyway, yeah. yes, I got so Jason. Uh, he uh, does the podcast Binge Boys. You can go take a look for. It. He writes Inside Streaming, uh, and he is here every Thursday for this week in streaming. Our little section here, where we talk about what's going on in the world of streaming from a business, content, and artistic perspective. Hmm, Molly, like what what do we have in the news here to chop up with with our expert Lon? Football, football, football. Like you, I, can we say now with the debut of Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime that streaming has really arrived? I'm not saying it has not been a huge part of obviously our economic landscape. It's changed just about everything in terms of the entertainment industry. But I feel like once you roll in football mm. and you do giant freaking numbers on the back mm. of America's favorite sport, mm. you've arrived. Right? Is that fair, Lon? I or is it overstating? Fair. I mean, for for a long time now, for years now, we've been sort of saying the last things to arrive. Like, the thing streaming still needs to figure out, and then it's totally done for broadcast, are sports, award shows, and, like, live reality TV. Like, those are the things broadcast still does well that streaming can't do. Wouldn't you just be in there? Week, CNN Plus? I mean, I feel like news already, <laughs> like, Every one of these news stations already has a streaming counterpart. If you want to watch your NBC News on NBC News now, you've been able to do that okay. for years. Got it. Okay. So maybe CNN, news doesn't fall into there because it's not. I mean, I feel like it was it already. It doesn't draw that many people. Right. Whereas these these things. And then just this week, okay. if you think about it, we got the Emmys that you could watch uh, on Peacock streaming oh, live right we got thursday night football's big debut on amazon and dancing with the stars now is a disney plus show live every week it used to be abc was the only place to see it now disney plus is the only way to see it 
And it's the same exact format. It's just on Disney Plus now. So I, I feel like that's it. Like streaming, they've conquered all the goals. It's basically it for broadcast TV, as far as I can tell. All right. So yeah, that's football. game. I think so. I want to call an audible here, no pun intended. Uh, since I heard the word Emmys. It was the I Emmys. Just wanna, this is a message uh, to the people who run award shows. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> suck. <laughs> we tune into award shows because we are super fans of the artists who make the shows whether it's the oscars the globes whatever there is a formula we want the funniest most irreverent co comedian doing their shtick this includes ricky gervais at the top of his game uh and chris rock uh yada yada tina fey was great with uh amy poehler that's what we want, a comedian who can take uh, the piss out of the uh, celebrities. That's always fun. And then let the celebrities give a speech. Mm -hmm. Let them talk for as long as they want. Or if there's a major category. And then we don't need anything else. We don't need singing numbers. We don't need skits. We don't need uh, anything else. Just a joke, monologue. And then let the person give their speech. This is a message <laughs> from people who consume award show or used to consume award shows religiously and who now can't stand watching them. The end. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, I, keep, I keep waiting. It feels like every year the pendulum is going to swing back and the person who comes in to take over these shows is going to be like, Return to glamour, old mm -hmm. Hollywood. Let's make it like it used to be in the 70s mm -hmm. and 80s and 90s uh, that everyone's nostalgic for. And then it never happens. They always have a new idea like, oh, we're going to be yeah. in a train no station ideas. this year. So Maybe. It's weird. Suck. It's weird. So this I, is, if they so figured it out in like the 40s, just go back and do what they used to do in the Bob Hope era. Do that. I mean, to go back to where we started, interestingly, it's like, can stream streaming might just end up sort of displacing broadcast, but then being the same thing. And that's not exactly mm. what we wanted. So that no. would be kind of a bummer, like just restreaming to, you know, like we are mm. uh, the Emmys to Peacock in the same old way. It's sort of like streaming. We just I think we keep circling around the fact that streaming is now TV in all the ways. Yeah. including we sort of wish that somebody would just bundle it together and I could just pay one price for all those channels. <laughs> sure. I mean, that's a, that's a refrain you see constantly on social mm -hmm. media is that streaming has just become it. We, we wanted to get away from cable and the idea that I had to pay all this money for all these services and channels and whatever for four shows that I wanted to watch. And now, yeah, if you wanted to watch severance, and the boys and rings of power and stranger things and you got to get five services you maybe don't need in, in, in that way it is similar i the mean bundles I still are think coming. the bundles are coming the bundles, the bundles are coming the nato will say, happen will nato this. but i don't think we'll be forced into it like as long as no. we can still have a la carte and, and we can we'll and i happy. think that's what i think people get a little greedy and i think that you could mm -hmm. you could pick any one of these services mm -hmm. with a few exceptions but most of them and just have that one and there would be plenty to watch there would always be yeah. new things especially one like netflix or hulu where they're adding things constantly i i, I don't really think you need people want to have all of them because there's always hot new shows on new ones that you want to see 
But that's not the same thing. This that's is it's really not. And you have the problems. freedom, which people yeah. don't realize. You have the freedom to be like, I'm just going to subscribe to this for a month while this one exactly. show is on and then so cancel. I, that's magical. Right, so I, you you it, have it so much power now. Yeah. And right. we are so entitled. Everybody shut up true. and enjoy the bounty. It's <laughs> really true. Don't ruin it. We're well, I, getting. That, that They're losing money on these services. Let them lose money. And if you can't afford $125 <laughs> for everything, then shut up, buy $60 for almost everything every three months, cancel, pause, and then do the other three. You greedy, you know, loathsome. I feel like you're about, to, you're about to go full <laughs> Kim K. You're going to be like, oh, you can't afford so. all the streaming services? Work harder. No, well, just... It, do two more DoorDash deliveries and you'll have everything. Like, no, my God. I hate to just like blatantly promote Amazon. Like if you got <laughs> no other streaming services, yes. just Prime, you get Prime. not only a pretty great streaming service with a lot of stuff to watch, but right. but a heck of a shipping deal. You know, like that's, that's just <laughs> one. And that's, I you, you could kids. just have that one and We're be so fine. spoiled. We're spoiled. Right. Right. And I then you would complain about how stuff didn't I want to know what the NFL did. For three days yeah let's get into the nfl Give me numbers, the numbers. all i care about is numbers because i might j <laughs> i might be making j trades uh, well, i need numbers i mean honestly I amazon okay here's the deal amazon reportedly signed an 11 year 11 <laughs> billion dollar deal so a yeah. billion dollars a year for the exclusive what? rights to one night of football they get 15 Just games Thursday per season night. for that billion dollars. Wait, 15 games per season? Yeah. 15 Thursday night let's, football let's games per season. Let's do that quick season. math here. Yeah. What does each game cost at a billion dollars a million? year? 70 million. Yeah, about seven, 68 million, yeah. Per, per game. game. Per game. So the deal started this season, and to watch the games, viewers needed That's, to either... Bezos gets to watch the games with Goodell. He gets to watch the games with the NFL commissioner. So, you like know, you, saw, you saw all those memes going around, right? Of, of yeah. Bezos sitting next to Goodell watching the games? Yeah. It's a two and a half hour it's game, amazing. so I guess that means they're spending 500000 per minute on a game. Okay, keep going. Yeah. yeah. Sounds... Seems okay. legit. Reasonable. Um, to watch the game, viewers either needed a Prime subscription or they needed to go to a bar because... Okay. Amazon and DirecTV announced this partnership where Thursday Night Football would actually be included with its business package, which is uh, distributed to 300,000 bars, restaurants, hotels, casinos, and sports books. Now, they're also the working with is, Nielsen to measure that audience. So that's like that's working in two ways for them because oh. they they hired Nielsen. It's the first time a streaming platform's ever done this. They've hired Nielsen as a third party to look at all their back end, look at all their numbers and assemble these reports of like how many total eyeballs are on these Thursday night football streams. Interesting. Uh, and part of what they're measuring is mm. that hotel. How many people are watching in bars? How many people are watching in this, this hotel, that hotel? It's I mean, there's nothing, there's so they nothing can better than those in their numbers now. So I think in my opinion, in, there's nothing better than sitting at a hotel bar, like watching sports. It's nice. just yeah, delightful. You're on yeah. a trip. No one needs you. You don't have to take care of anybody. You're just having oh, so your great. martini. No kids. Spoken like no a true kids. parent. <laughs> right? in the bar downstairs. Just <laughs> Cheap literally well drinks. making friends, watching sports. It is the greatest. I love it's hotels. It's literally like... Jason, can I go I'm on sorry. a trip? <laughs> no. Work. Work harder. Um, in related news, uh, Amazon is uh, starting a new chain of bars. It's going to be called Amazon Prime Rib. So you're going to be able to go there and get your prime yeah, rib nice. and beers. What is your name? Idea. Okay, this is brilliant. So, okay. I was, During yeah. that way, let's talk about results here, right? Because this is obviously please. a big investment. Anything could have happened. Mm -hmm. And the moment th this last week, the, yes. a week ago today was Thursday night football week one. And Amazon saw, quote, 
the biggest three hours for U.S. Prime signups sure. ever. Makes sense. Well, that three includes, they're including Black Friday, Cyber yep. Monday, Prime yeah. Day. That All means it beat, it beat every promotion they've ever done for Prime. Yeah. In sick. one three-hour period, because you know what America loves? Football. Yeah, you know and what this is? It's like, a, how do I watch this game? Like, it definitely drove a lot of people who had never before even considered mm -hmm. signing yeah. up for Amazon Prime to Prime, which is a very valuable. If you could grab those people who didn't that's even maybe know about it, that's a remember thing. I talked about monetized marketing for the last twenty years. Um, if you were to put this, the billion dollars a year, let's say one third of it comes back in new Amazon Prime supporters, a very small number, like two million, right? Great. 2 million times 150 years, 300 million. So let's just say they get back roughly a third in actual. Then if they were to the advertising value of this, all the people they reach was worth another couple of hundred million a year, you know, 20 million a game. I don't know what 10 million a game, maybe 15 games. Okay, they're halfway there. And the other half, you know, they lose still worth it. Still worth it as a marketing experiment. It cost them half the amount they thought it did. Um, and now they have the date on this when they do their next 10 year deal with the NBA, or other leagues, or they buy leagues, or they start buying teams. Now right. they have all the data. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And this is part of when you're an executive, when we look at this, it doesn't make sense to us, right? We can't pencil it out in a Google sheet. I'll tell you how executives pencil this out in a board meeting. Okay, 300 million of the billion that goes to prime, we would have spent 200 million on marketing, take that from the marketing team's TV budget, great 500. Now we're 500 million in the hole. All right, let's see what happens. If we lose 5 billion, we got, you know, we, we make that in whatever number of days. Uh, great. <laughs> yeah. What do we do next? With this information and data, we can negotiate with Goodell and say, you know what, we're not going to pay 11 billion again for Thursday, we'll pay 750. But we also want one more game on Tuesday or whatever. And then they'll just have data to do that brilliant move. This so, will have a bigger impact than the Lord of the Rings experiment. So look at those both as billion dollar experiments. Or this is a yeah. this will do way bigger. Way bigger. I yeah. was just um, looking up the cost of NFL Sunday ticket because, of course, every week uh, as a Bay Area resident, you're like, why do I have these stupid football games instead of the games I wanted to watch? Mm -hmm. And NFL Sunday ticket historically has been the only way to get that. That costs two hundred forty nine dollars a year, two hundred ninety four. Sorry. And that's how you get every Sunday game that's out mm -hmm. of market. Or you can spend $10 per game, so right. 120 bucks per year. So that's $10 less than Prime to get the, mm. at least the Thursday night football. And then Nick pointed out that uh, Sunday ticket, the exclusivity expires this year. So yeah. imagine oh, if Amazon... Behind the scenes, that's that's what I was going to say. Is this is already Holy happening. They're all crap. fighting over who's going to get Sunday ticket yeah. on their, as an add-on to their platform. I so, mean, can you imagine if Amazon bought Sunday ticket? And oh, I could and get they, every game trying. on my they would partner Prime subscription. Yeah, it would be it would be think of that almost like an Amazon <gasps> channels kind of deal. You would have Amazon Prime video and then you would add on NFL Sunday ticket for 10 bucks it through right, for, for where right. and then you access it through your Amazon Prime video account. So, I mean, do every one like of those users becomes a Prime Plus user right now. Right. Every like one of those Plus, users yeah. becomes a Prime user. No, you and have then think to. about the merch. You have to think about the merch. You see all yeah. that merch up there on the top left is merch. This is what I talked about with Disney Plus. Like Disney has a relationship. They have your credit card. Now Amazon has your credit card. You become a Prime subscriber. You watch the the Jets lose and embarrass themselves, um, or the Eagles lose and embarrass themselves. Like one of those really horrible teams with terrible fan bases who buy a lot of jerseys. <laughs> Apparently, Amazon horrible. 
There are already Shilly merch on the homepage. How dare you? Right? It's, but I'm just saying, it's Thursday now. Native, <gasps> sir. Look How at that. You. I'm just saying, you know, let's say you're like a horrible human <laughs> being who roots for the Jets or the Eagles. Eagles fan. I know. Anyway, like, don't bait Philadelphia. I'm just picking the worst fan bases in the they're world. They're very so violent. That would be Eagles, then <laughs> Jets. Oh. And it's, it's, they're in the running for worst. Somebody's going to leave bases. a D battery on your doorstep and you're oh, going to take that those is. two fan bases, oh, one man. of which eats horse poop. It's the um, city of brotherly love, sir. <laughs> they ate horse poop when they won. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> Tells you everything you need to Pretty's know. He's going to haunt your nightmares. Oh, so you take those Eagle fans and then you upsell them on your Go jerseys, birds. but the jerseys are on Amazon. So these absolute savages who don't know how to use computers, <laughs> the Eagles fans, you're now getting those Eagles fans to actually learn how to use a keyboard and type yeah. and, <laughs> and they're buy yeah, stuff they, online. You're bringing and, and those imagine, laggards, the Jet fans who, you know, are just drinking vodka straight from a water bottle at a game. Now they buy games. Okay, that's it. And I know, we're trying to talk business over here and you're just like, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm busy baiting. I mean, yeah. this this would be... If Amazon ended up partnering for NFL Sunday Ticket, like Jeez. this is all red. They've already had a massive victory. The NFL is just raking in money. The The fact that the Amazon homepage exactly is festooned with merch right now, merch that what? costs like 50 times what it should cost. And people are Pure like, profit. I don't care. Yeah. Click. I'm pretty drunk. Like this is you want to know the power bananas. Move? You know what the power move is? Google should get in on this. Google's got tons of money. They have no streaming services, but got that they got YouTube. Mm-hmm. They should just yeah, make this I mean, part of YouTube, you, you, that, that YouTube Plus. YouTube is, mm-hmm. In some YouTube ways, TV. YouTube is the biggest streaming service. Like People forget yeah. they don't include that with the others because it's not the high-profile shows, but just in terms of eyeballs. How should the NFL pick a partner? How should the NFL pick a partner? Yeah. You pick Amazon, you drive massive merch. You pick Google, you drive global reach on YouTube. You pick Apple. Also in the running you, for, for mm-hmm. Sunday Ticket, of course. I don't know what of you course. get if you pick Apple, but I don't know what their advantage is. I don't know. Who would you I, pay? I mean, they would have just to just cash? give the money. Let's say they all offer the same dollar amounts. I right. mean, I guess but, with Apple, you've got the devices, you know? Like, who, yeah. who knows what kinds of integration you could do with NFL plus Apple directly on everybody's device? Mm, like, that's interesting. Well, here's I the problem. The Eagles is... fans don't, they would never be <laughs> able to afford. They <laughs> have <laughs> iPhones. They have iPhones. Android users. They, they don't, they're not sophisticated <laughs> they enough to use Apple products. They have iPhones. They have iPhones is not the spirited defense no. that you think it is. No, no, they, they're using flip phones. Eagle fans are still on flip phones. They're, come on. There's a little bit of, you know, cheesesteak uh, residue on there. You don't, I don't think Apple wants to. They just got 3G. They, I think they they can barely can, you flip can use phones. a phone and hold a soft pretzel at the same God, time. Come so on, many D batteries okay, let's move on. whipped our way. I want to talk House of Dragons. I don't want to spoiler alert and the Andor House came of the out House, House of the Dragon. It's their Whatever. Situation. I call it Dragons. House of Dragons. I'm not yeah, putting They are the also the House of Dragons, though. Let's talk about this. This is the greatest show on TV. Go. Dude, this show is killing. This show, nobody cares. It's the only if show I look forward to right now. Twenty nine. They're up to twenty nine million weekly viewers. Yeah, almost, yeah, they're they're almost. It's they're, insane. It was it was around 40, 42 million per episode in the last season of Game of Thrones. At its peak, like that was at the what? most Game of Thrones ever got. House <laughs> of the Dragons almost like more than halfway there already. It's in the new football. One, halfway Let's through season go, one. General Zodzlov. General Zodzlov. One of uh, brothers' I mean, train is underwater. I'm going to buy more. This is a Casey <laughs> Bloys victory, but uh, but he's the, the head of HBO content. Mm, uh, I but, love HBO. Uh, but yeah, mm. I mean, I, I it, it's really surprising considering just a few months ago. 
there was so much cynicism around this whole franchise. The last series ended on this kind of sour note for people. The books aren't finished. Everybody was like, oh, Game of Thrones fever is over forever. Westeros shut is up. done. Nobody cares anymore. And all it took was five episodes to bring everybody back. And it's, and it's everybody's favorite thing again. And it's going it, to, I mean, this just Fickle. became the new Marvel. Like this is never going to, we're never going to have any other entertainment than football and some sort of Game of Thrones spinoff, I, I would imagine. From, I mean, if you from were an HBO forever. executive right now, people are being very, very clear, I think, about about what they want. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, they want they want teens doing drugs. They want a lot of high school sex. And they yeah. want HBO understands what people dragons. want. Totally. Here's the HBO formula. Number one, you need a story, a plot that moves at a nice pace. Number two, lots of characters. Number three. You need actors that we don't know or maybe are vaguely familiar with, but that know how to act, who are great actual actors. That's your, that's your foundation. Now, what do you sprinkle on top of a fast-moving plot with great uh, actors? Mm-hmm. Drugs, sex, <laughs> violence. Mm-hmm. Extreme violence. Stop. Stop with the extreme whatever i'm gonna start you know i'm gonna start watching it now i've been reading the recaps and i'm totally riveted sopranos what do you got incredible actors that we don't know james gandfini who knew him he wasn't Uh, get short he was great in get shorty okay short and he was he was also in true romance for (laughs) five minutes and stole the show small roles yeah small roles then you got extreme violence uh, okay and then of course there's lots of drugs and sex going on Let's go to industry. I just finished season two. Amazing show. I don't know anybody on the show except for one guy who I remember from. Uh, no, oh. I remember him from uh, Rogue One. Sure. Okay. I don't know any of these other actors, but they're having sex. They're backstabbing each other. The plot changes every 17 <laughs> minutes. Drug, sex. Awesome. There's no violence, but it's whatever. It's right. okay. Well, you got The Wire, you got Boardwalk Empire, Boardwalk Empire, The Wire. They know what people want, and they pay writers, and they pay actors, and they know how to select those writers and actors. Why I, I does mean, every I, I, other I, network not understand this concept? Adult, fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there are some, like AMC, I think, does a, does a nice yes, job. Yes, they did a good FX job, I agree. It does show. a great job. It has a lot of great mm-hmm. original shows. If you're not watching okay. Reservation Dogs on... Uh, Hulu, by the way, which is an FX show. Mm. Incredible. One of the best shows on TV right now. I, I, do, I love FX. I do have like a very, very soft spot for FX because the shows are super adulty and also they rerun all the trash movies that I love. Right, FX anyway, is my favorite. That's my little uh, rant on HBO and how awesome they are. This show, Game of game, the, the House, House of, of the Dragon. Dragon. The Dragon. The Dragon. Got the it. Dragon. Got it. Got Killing it. It the is, pace. I will say. It is, it is still gross. It is still like creepy and weird. It is still super violent, but it is less of all of those things than Game of Thrones. I do, I do believe you that. Think they, less. They, you think they did make a concerted effort to tone. It's still there. They, it's still there. It's toned down. It's still I there. Was about, I was about it's to say down. there's like a little more incest, but there's kind of not. Because Game of Thrones no. was literally Cersei brother and, and sister, Lannister and at least right, like brother and sister, and at yeah. least this is like cousins. 
I mean, it's it's like ten percent. It's ten percent less of everything. They kept it recognizably weird George R. R. Martin stuff, right? But they they have made a conscious effort, I think, to it's less of a focus on those elements and more of a character focus and the political machinations and, and, and battles. And then and we all know war is coming. And so you kind of can't, I mean, honestly, like I've been doing my usual game of Thrones thing where, which is like, I'm too much of a sort of a weird chicken to watch it, but I read the recaps every week. You'll and be back in. I'm no, um, you, as of, as of episode six, I think I'm going to be in. Cause it's going to make the leap ahead in time. And the new, ca- I'm just yes. like, fine, oh, they fine, just leave the fine. last episode with the, the young cast. So we're going to get, right. uh, we're going to get the older versions of those two cats, Allison Tytower and, and Raina Targaryen. We're going to they're going to jump in age in the next episode. Wait, wait. But Damon and Princess Rhaenyra are not going to jump in age, are they? No, Princess Rhaenyra, Princess Rhaenyra we're switching is. we're switching actors in the next episode. Millie Alcock who played Princess Rhaenyra what? in the first five yeah, episodes. She's, she's done. She's off done. the show. What? We wait to even read the her. internet, bro. Yeah. No, I try not to. Wait a second. I was about to say that the oh, two that greatest that was her farewell episode. She's They're not over. getting rid of Matt Smith, too, are they, Damon? No, Matt no. Smith is going to stay. The only, other, the only other character, Alicent oh. Hightower, oh. her friend who's now the queen, she's gone. That was her last episode as well. And Olivia Cook, who you would recognize. I'm, I'm trying to think of what you'd know her from. She's been in a lot of I other I know stuff. Olivia Cook, yeah. Right. Ready she's Player like the One. Characters are not going right. anywhere. Ready Player One, exactly. She's the new Alicent Hightower starting this next week. So the so characters still exist. It just we're going forward in time, so they have to be. Yeah, grown they can't up. get rid of Millie Alcock. No, they're it's done. Oh, so, yeah. so they're, they're still the queen and the princess. Those characters we're just going to see older versions of them because we're jumping ahead like five or six years. I like I how guess like, as well is uh, it, I I know we're all very attached to Patty Considine as Prince uh, Viserys, but considering the state of I'm assuming it's leprosy, whatever he has. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't his arm's not looking don't good. To him. I don't no. think he's still around. I think we're going to jump mm. ahead to a time when he's already. Wow. I don't deceased. know. Yeah. With this, I could. I wanted the whole season. I, with I feel I terrible. Think actually, Alcock like is the the greatest character in Game. Of, it's like top five well, character in Game of Thrones I, for me. It's like Maisie Emma, Williams level. I'm blanking on the name Emma something. Uh, who's taking mm. over? Emma Darcy. Uh, maybe she'll be great. You know, she's yeah. taking over. It's the same character. I feel like. If I don't have the emotional version. bandwidth for the show, Jason didn't have the emotional bandwidth for this news. I feel terrible. You Wait look devastated. Second. Amy Just Darcy. Just looking crushed. Emma Darcy, Darcy was born in 1992. She was right. born in 1992. Yeah. Millie was born when? 2000. It's an she's, eight year difference. She's Let 22. the woman have the role. They they wanted to they wanted to really strongly reinforce that that this change is like they, they wanted to reinforce the significance of this time jump to these characters. Okay, wait a so second. I am going to call BS. This was a thing that they did. But Matt to, Smith, Matt Smith is still Damon Targaryen for the whole show. Wait a second. Well, he's older. He's an older character. He's ninety two. Those born two 92. actresses are playing younger than their ages. I think because of the maturity yeah. of the role. She's playing. Right. Millie Sorry. is playing eighteen, and she's actually right. twenty two. This better be great. Right. This better be great, or I'm this. I mean, could, I, Olivia Cook is a terrific. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be just fine. And she was really good recently in Slow Horses on Apple TV Plus, which I've been recommending up and down. Uh, okay, I'll check if you like. Uh, if you like. I liked your industry recommendation. I just want to shout out. Out to industry and the I cast think I'm gonna start industry. watching industry. Industry is good, yeah. Fantastic. And the second season was people had a problem with the second season. It's like a lot of these second seasons where you gotta just like let it breathe. 
they just had the finale i think last week and it was fantastic i don't want to do any spoilers awesome. but okay fantastic highest rating uh i enjoy industry as much as i enjoy house of dragons uh absolutely fantastic it really i mean it's euphoria plus like billions like if that sounds good to exactly. you it's basically just like hitting hitting that there, that intersection what I did think. the lord of the rings um disaster because i i have absolutely no desire i don't know what night it's on i i have i literally painfully watched the first two episodes of it's lord of the phenomenal. rings it's really why it's so uh, good I, i'm not interested in it right I now i'm gonna it. i love when does it, it get good it's good. I mean, I think good. it was good all along. It's good. The first two were too slow for me, the episodes. I didn't it's bond good. with any characters. I love I it. I mean, I got to say, like, There's I've, a lot I going have on. It's on, complicated. But I'm just reading the, the recaps of the House of the Dragon, but I watched the hell out of the Terminal List. That was awesome. What is the, um, what is the, uh, for the, for the, for the Lord of the Rings? We don't know. We don't they don't know. tell they're us. Not, they don't they tell don't us. Either. They're not saying. Yeah, they don't have they're to. They're not saying. What What other military fetish trash? Like the terminal list, do you have? When oh. is there going to be a new Jack Ryan? For God's sake, like come well, on! There's news today. Chris Pratt was on <gasps> a podcast today and has hinted around season two of the terminal list is a go, and they're figuring out everybody's deal right now behind the scenes. But there, there's been a lot of questions, a big question mark over will they get another season? Uh, right. Apparently, because like he didn't want to have to do so much work or something. I don't know. Well, there's a bunch. Apparently, Jack Carr, the author of the book, there's like a bunch yeah. of books in that series. So, oh, like, I know I'm about to start reading them. I'm, wa oh, I'm wa waking. Go. I'm currently making my way through all the Gray Man books. I mean, I, this is literally oh, like the I don't know what Man books. Wow, I'm just okay. a dude. I'm just a yeah. dude. You like, like if the, you have dude TV airport books, yeah. I like guy airport books. Yeah, in both TV say, movies and actual audiobooks. <laughs> Adam Schaefer in the in the chat just made the same recommendation I was going to. Did you watch Reacher on Amazon? Oh yeah, of course. Oh, so okay. good. So, so that. freaking I good. Loved Reacher. Reacher mm -hmm. was terrific. Reacher was terrific. Uh, did you watch? And Andor came out last night, Wednesday. Yes. Last night, well, yep, technically, I watched... if you stayed up like me, like an idiot, until two a.m., you could have watched it Tuesday night, but. Yes, uh, technically think. Wednesday. I have watched the wait first because one. I want to watch it with my daughters this weekend, yeah. which, you know, sometimes I'll be honest, I would watch Boba Fett or I would watch Boba Fett or, or The Mandalorian before them and then right. I'd watch it with them and tell them I didn't. And yeah. then yeah. they figure it out when I would We've click on that. Disney Plus, they would see that I watched it already. They figured out how to do that. <laughs> like, you watched it already. I was like, no, 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 no. I was just checking it to make sure Santa's it was appropriate for real. kids. <laughs> was Andor just I give me a thumbs the, up or a thumbs up? I watched down. The, only the first one. Thumbs oh, up I or thumbs down. I thought it, you I loved thought it. it was great. Okay. Two That's thumbs up. Molly? Thumbs up or thumbs down? I'm going to give it a thumbs sort of like the first, the very first one moved a little slow for me, but that's kind of always the case, mm -hmm. right? It's the first one. And, uh -huh. but it's such a different tone uh -huh. from Star Wars that you're used to that I'm, I'm very hopeful. Okay. I'm actually like, I'm excited to watch the next Good. two. I like yeah, it. Yeah. I, I, here's what I was going to say. I think that they're doing their Disney plus thing, which is Disney has this, this concept that it doesn't, we don't have to follow TV rules. Like they, the rules don't apply to us. Right. We don't have to obey structure. You're already in, you love Marvel. You love Pixar. You love star Wars. Who cares what the format is? We're just going to give it to you however we want. Yeah. And if you watch the first three episodes of Andor together as a 90 minute movie, it works beautifully. It's yeah. perfectly structured. 
That's obviously how Tony Gilroy, the writer, conceived of it and how it was written and how Ooh. it was presented. And then Disney has been like, well, let's hack it up into three pieces and make it three episodes of it. TV yeah, because that. that's better for us in terms of releasing or whatever. And I don't know why you would do. I don't know why you would do that. It's very frustrating because then people come away with exactly what you two have come away with, which is, yeah, if you watch one, it would be like watching the first third of a movie and then being right. like, that wasn't a very good movie. And then being like, like, well, I guess there's more in it, but is, I'm, uh, I have to go to bed now. And I, could, it, I, you I could feel that. Like, you, when it ended, I was like, wait, I it's just starting. you, you will get to the end of yeah. episode three and be like, I want to see more of this. Totally. I I somebody do me a favor. I, I'm going to pay somebody a hundred bucks to do this. Could somebody take the three episodes of Andor, take out the <laughs> beginning and, you know, whatever the interstitials are or whatever. Put it on a Google Drive for me. I'll send you a hundred bucks by Venmo, whatever you want. <laughs> what we were and saying just make it into a ninety-minute movie for me to. <laughs> I think what this we were is saying yesterday in Screen Junkies illegal, is sure. a lot of anime shows do this, and some British shows do this, where they'll just have a movie, and it's like the pilot is just a movie. Like here's yes. a ninety-minute movie, yes. and now here's like Battlestar Galactica that. did that, I think. Yes. And yes. Like, what this should have just been that? Like, why not? Why not just I'm do down. that? I don't understand why they wouldn't Zod's do that. Also, why they would force it in anyway? But it, yeah. as a three episode opener, I really enjoyed it. Okay. And exactly so, what you're saying, Molly. I think I, it's would, like I think we should a tell cool reboot. It's a the full. I mean, yeah, the tone change is startling. We definitely should. Do, is this is like a PSA. I think we're doing the <laughs> world a favor by Plus. saying like, don't think of it as, as the first episode. Because right. if you no. think of it that way, you're going to be like. What just? What did I just have? If anything, I was like, well, at least it's really short. You got to watch them all three. And episode two ends on this really random. There's the scene of him like walking through a scrapyard. It's totally uneventful, and then you just cut to black, like written by Tony Gilroy. Like, how is that the end of an episode? It's no, that's a force cut. That's a force cut, right? It's like it was a three episode thing, and then they just sat, cut it up for no reason. I don't know. It's weird. When they Mm. did the what was the first Marvel show they did with the TV? the first one on disney plus wandavision right well i think with wandavision you're right they're like we're going to do something you know uh uh, unique here uh that's not like regular television we're going to challenge the audience with a different format with a different concept i like it i like the different concept um here's the next piece if somebody can take uh obi-wan and andor when they're done (laughs) and then cut them up and then use collateral from Clone Wars, Rogue One, and A New Hope, whatever wow. flashbacks, whatever, and stitch project. it together with some additional material. I'll give you 500 bucks to do that for me if it's good. Well, the thing about Andor that's interesting is that it it's it's not really trying to tie in very closely. It's sort of opening up this new little pocket of the world. I get it's that. It's the but least referential of all the other shows. Like, there's not a lot of, like... Mm-hmm. callbacks to this guy that guy this planet it's that occurring planet. in the timeline when other things could have been occurring yeah is there the a possibility leading into rogue one is the timeline we're in. so is there a possibility with it to have well, yeah, flash forwards or flashbacks to something that happened in the clone wars or something that happened yeah you could flash back to prequels or clone wars and this is in the timeline of rebels yes. that animated series Rebels. yeah so cut in some rebels right which right. they're going to do a live action version of rebels right uh right. that's that's rumored. still in the rumored stage I thought they cast but... the kid from rebels well, i've got the kid's name in rebels but no yeah that ezra bridger ezra that bridger is going to show up in ahsoka he's going to be ah. in the ahsoka show which is mm. i mean the, that's what i was gonna say the ahsoka show is basically going to be dave filoni doing a live action 
follow-up to the Clone Wars. Can't wait. So right. characters from the Clone Wars will be showing up in Ahsoka. Anyway, I don't. So I, I amend my Thrawn previous statement. Is, Thrawn is going to be in it. I mean, they're they're opening up Ooh, that whole part of the world. I have read some I of those books. Those are good. I amend my previous statement in not, which I it's said it's not exactly the same as the Timothy Zahn classic books, but they have taken Thrawn from the Timothy Zahn books yes. and put him in. Thrawn is a really modern. great character i love those right, books but it's, but it's not it's not but it's an not exact, the same it's not the okay. exact thrawn no it is i will yeah. say i, I would like mind. to amend my previous statement in which i said that the nfl and uh game of thrones spinoffs was going to be our only entertainment game of thrones spinoffs the nfl and star wars will be our only entertainment can't get away from that star wars well, well, listen, it's, man, it's tv Squadron. it's the golden era peak tv that's golden why we have you on week TV. after week man it's not ending it's, it's not just ending, wild folks. That Every Star Thursday, Wars only exists on television now. No, no more films. We, I they mean, I guess the, the question we have to ask is: Should this week in streaming become a spinoff show at this point? Because mm. we get to thirty minutes of this, and people want more. We keep people saying we're going to do thirty minutes with Lon, and every time I just laugh. I'm like, no, we're not. <laughs> I mean, I can long. go for another half hour at <laughs> yeah, least right now. Easily. This, just I, and I wonder if I've broken copyright law by putting a bounty out to make fan yeah, you, <laughs> yes. versions. I mean, listen, to be clear, those you definitely exist have, yeah. on the internet. Those recuts, yeah, or but I just commissioned them. I just commissioned them. That, you did I just commission them. That's Bob Iger or whoever's running Disney right now. Who's the guy running Disney? Bob Chapek. Chapek. The guy running Chapek. Yeah. I don't know. I call him Chapek. Chapek. I don't know. I think Ch- it's not feeling him. Not feeling him. I think they made a critical error. With this uh, price gouging, I just yeah. that's my message for Chapek. Yeah. Like, it's not worth it to have people feel bad about Disney. Disney's fan base cap the number of people at the parks, but don't extract money from them the way they're doing. It's not cool. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. it's horrible. You can't they're, charge they're generating a, a, so a lot of ill will among their, that's their the diehard. Yeah. Fan don't base. do that. Open yeah. another park. Here's an idea. That's for Chapek. Be bold. Find somewhere that's equidistant between the two parks and open a third park in America. Be bold. Where would you put a park, Lon, if you had a third Ooh. park? Hmm. Would you put a third park in Texas? Vegas? Where would a See, those, third... those places have a lot of competing destinations. What Disney yeah, does I would well, do like, like Disney, Chicago. Disney made Anaheim a destination. They made Orlando a destination. So okay. I almost feel like you want to pick something like that, like... A place with a lot of infrastructure, mm-hmm. but that mm-hmm. isn't already like the Quad Cities or something, you know, like like that, like Nashville Kansas City, Na- like right or like mm-hmm. outside, like in between Nashville and like Nashville and Kansas City. Like, how do you hit both of those markets? I mean, you could or, do Kansas City or even like Detroit. Detroit Kansas has like City a beautiful to airport and Detroit and really cheap it has to be seventy degrees year round. Oh, yeah. Kansas City is very hot. In the it has to be Southern Hemisphere, but not so Southern Hemisphere. It hits 110. You think? It has to be 70, 80 degrees, 90 degrees max year I round. I mean, there are popular theme parks in Texas where it gets really, like, that's where Six Flags Texas? is from. Where it gets, like, crazy hot. Maybe and, like, it gets crazy Arizona? hot in Texas over the summer. Colorado? Yeah. Oh, it's it's no. You could do it's New Mexico. Inaccessible Ooh, part revitalize, of the year. Like, revitalize Albuquerque. They already have that wonderful mm. balloon festival. I don't I have such a soft spot for New Mexico. And you can have a better call Saul and Breaking Bad. I was just going to say, and then you have this whole like Breaking Bad. Yeah, the, the, uh, the, the Gilligan Albuquerque verse. You can make it the Ozarks adult. Ozarks have Jason Bateman, Ozarks oh, land. Lake, if of the, Lake of the Ozarks. If you want to oh stop idea. me, you're going to have to kill me. I love and that clip. Honestly, you stop I think me, that's, you're a, that's a really me. good idea. Lake of the, because they've already got all the tourist infrastructure. Lake of the Ozarks. Yeah, but if you did New Mexico, you could call it Dark Disney. 
<laughs> All right, and this is the it. adult experience. Yeah. When you say adult experience, why? That is not what I mean. No, I'm t- like how Andor is a Star Wars for grownups. Yeah. Let's let's leave. If Disney you had and a adults. Disney that had like Breaking Bad and like no, you can't have, you know what? It's already you know with can't. the Disney and the alcohol. People are already starting fights at Disney. You don't have and to I have think alcohol. the reason I'm they're starting saying, like, fights at Disney is because it's too crowded and too expensive. Unaccompanied adult Disneyland. What's the max a ticket to Disney should cost during the week? I, I mean, during I, the week. I, max I don't price, know. A hundy. I, yeah, like, oh, anytime it's over $70, $80 is when I start to like, and I, I'm I'm old, so maybe that's me. Like, I remember when a ticket to Disneyland was like 40 bucks. And so, like, can't part, break of it is just, part of it I is just the old man in me that knows how, like, much it's changed over just the years. Just make but it. I also remember when a season one. pass was $150. Yeah. Like, I mean, we bought the, them. Remember one time, I think now. for Mahalo, I bought everybody a season pass one year, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, it was like, what, 200, 250 bucks at that point? Well, everybody Something. was local. I was like, you know what I'll do for my team? Instead of giving them like, you know, whatever, I'll just, we're going to go to Disney anyway. I took everybody to Disney for an offsite and I just gave right. everybody uh, the season and pass. I, and, and I but, get it was that an that goes 100. up. I get that that goes up over time, but it's gone up to such a ridiculous exponential degree. Shame on you. Now it's thousands Disney, of dollars for an annual you. pass. And that's, shame. that's crazy. Shame one, on Disney. Like Open one, one ticket for one day is hundred starts at $104. And, and shame. And shame, me, Disney. That's where you start to like, I mean, that is kind of, and I, I don't mean to mythologize Walt Disney, the man. Like, I, I don't, I don't think he's like a saint, like figure or whatever. But but his original vision, if you care about that at all, was that Disneyland would be widely accessible, that it yes. wasn't just a playground Complete. for the rich, that it would be anybody could afford to bring their family working family people. of five max cost four hundred dollars. And mm-hmm. I think that you do you it is important in some way for the company to still shepherd that vision that it it's not. It's not Jurassic Park where you have a coupon day and otherwise it's only for the wealthiest. That's Precisely. not what yeah. Disney right. is. This has been to be great. Done. We got to go. Lon, you're awesome. Let's keep this discussion going. Unsolicited advice for Bob Chapik, Chapik, whatever. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. It's been a great week up until Thursday. We still have more. We have Friday and Sunday, Molly. We do more, more, more. Jason's got a huge interview coming up tomorrow. Can't say who? Mm. Nope. Okay. Yeah. Leaving you it's in suspense. Surprise. It's going to be great. Friday interview. <laughs> We're going big on the interviews. It turns out there's a mm-hmm. lot of people who want to come on the pod and we've been, you and I have been enjoying our time together, you know, doing the, uh, the MJ, the Molly mm-hmm. and Jason best duo in podcasting. Uh, but we need to get some interviews in here because there's a lot yeah. of famous, important people. And tomorrow we have one of the top publicly traded CEOs in the world on the pod. I'll leave it at good that. Good one. It's a good one. And okay, mm-hmm. boomer, because yeah, we never leave you. We never leave you hanging on Friday. We know how you like. No, 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 no. Of course. We'll and then Sunday will be coming. We'll tell you about that later. Okay. Bye. See you then. Bye.